You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 tonight. Before we uh, read some verses, just want to mention a couple things about missions revival coming up. Um, don't forget to sign up for the, uh, the, on the sign-up sheets out there. We've got uh, the, uh, the, the potluck, the international potluck coming up on Saturday at 1. And uh, make sure that you're here for that. And then and that's also the time we'll hear from the ladies that hear their testimonies. And then at some point during the week, um, we're gonna give, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your own testimonies. Um, specifically, especially about uh, what the Lord has done in your life through Faith Promise Missions Giving. And because I think we have some good stories in here. I think we have some testimonies of God's faithfulness. And uh, how there are times where you give up something to, so that you can give more and God blesses. And it's happened in our lives. We have testimonies of, of giving sacrificially. And you think, well, God, there's no way it's going to work out. And yet God works it out. I don't know how. But you give by faith and he responds uh, with blessings. And so just make sure that we're thinking about that at some point. I'd like to be able to fit that in. And so the potluck's at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Make sure you sign up for that. Make sure you sign up if we've got some slots available still for the mills with the missionaries. Um, just to get them just a one-on-one time. It really is worth it if you can do that. And then uh, you work it out with them when you're going to meet with them. And, uh, and so uh, we don't have anybody scheduled Wednesday. On Wednesday you'd work it out um, a time and a place with them. Then also, just to be contacting the missionaries, it was in the email, then there were some sheets out there with that information as well. And at this point, it's probably better to, to email or send a, a text um, or something along those lines, probably an email, just because they'll be traveling this week to get here by Wednesday. We just want them to know we're anticipating their arrival. And we want to know, them to know that we are looking forward to, we're praying for this, and we, we're excited about the week and then also today, last but not least, this is the last night to give to the offering, uh, the Missions Revival offering, and that helps take care of our expenses for the week um, and to take care of our missionaries, take care of just all the little odds and ends that, that come up. And so I want to encourage you to give to that tonight. Invest in the meeting before it ever starts and, and just have a part in it in that way. And then uh, we'll, have, uh, we'll have our faith promise giving uh, our faith promise commitments next Sunday. So there's a lot of time, a lot of, a lot of things coming up very quickly. Um, time has run out, and here we are. But I'm looking forward to it. Wednesday at 7, make sure you're in your place. Um, I'm sure choir, what time is choir supposed to be here? 6.30 on Wednesday. So uh, we'll have a choir practice Wednesday. Just, I mean, just excited, man. I just wish it was here already. And looking forward to what the Lord's going to do this week. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll just read a couple of verses here. Um, so let's go ahead and stand. We'll read these. And this is Paul, and it's a pretty predictable uh, passage of Scripture. We're talking about missions giving, but, but one that I couldn't get away from for tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, um, it says in uh, verse, we'll start reading in verse 5. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. And so Paul is basically 
he's giving them some instructions because he's been encouraging them, them to give to the church at Jerusalem, which is in really bad shape. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But verse 6, it says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And if you look up that Greek word of, for cheerful, it's hilaros, which is hilarious. It's where we get the word. That's, I mean, that's the idea um, the, of attitude we should have when we get to give, is that it's just that joyful that God allows us to give. That's, that's what it means to be a cheerful giver. So if you break out in crazy laughter while you're giving, you know, that might actually be kind of biblical, um, but everyone will look at you funny, so don't. Okay, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And we'll stop reading right there. I just want to look tonight at this thought of missed opportunities. Because I do believe that when it comes to giving, we, we've missed some opportunities. I'm not saying as a church, as Eastside Baptist Church, I'm not saying that that's a pattern here. I'm just saying as, as Christians that we miss opportunities when we don't give. And uh, I don't want to miss opportunities if it means investing in God's work. And I hope that we can be challenged by this tonight. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. So tonight I'd like to focus on uh, specifically faith, promise, missions, giving. So it may seem a little bit more instructional or teaching tonight, um, but I do think that's necessary sometimes to, to understand the whys and the hows of our missions giving. And in chapters 8 and 9, Paul is dealing with the subject of receiving an offering for the church in Jerusalem. There was great poverty in Jerusalem at this time. And if, we, if you read Acts 11, Paul and Barnabas took an offering to the church in Jerusalem because there was a famine. And, and it led to many in Judea being poor, many in Judea being in great need. In, in Romans chapter 15, Paul, Paul writes, But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. And I believe it's talking about, this is all talking about the same thing. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. And, and it's talking about how these churches in Macedonia which he refers to in Romans 15 as well. These churches in Macedonia like Philippi and Thessalonica and other, other cities like that, those Gentile churches across the region, they got involved in this offering for the church in Jerusalem. And, and we read there in verse 2 how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. And that's saying that these churches didn't have a lot of money. It's not like these churches had, had large bank accounts and they were just drawing from their bank accounts and giving to the churches at Jerusalem. These churches had their own afflictions. They had their own poverty. They were poor, but they loved so much that they had an abundance of joyful giving. And the church in Jerusalem mattered to them. 
The church in Jerusalem was where it all started. They were, they were still reaching their area even though they were poor. They were still taking the gospel and ministering to their own population. But there was a famine. There were food shortages. There was overtaxation. And there was a large population that were, that were in, in dire straits, really. So Paul deals with receiving money from the church at Corinth. And it wasn't for the church at Corinth. He was trying to get them or convince them of the need to give to the church in Jerusalem, just like all these other churches were already doing. He's exhorting them to give for needs outside of their own ministry. And in doing so, I think we get a glimpse of, of, into the heart and the process of missions giving. And that's why I want to go through some of these and focus primarily on, on what Paul wrote in verses 6 through 8. And we read that at the beginning when we stood and read, but some call this grace giving. Some call it faith promise giving. That's what we call it. And it's an example then of God's people going above their tithe for the needs of those involved in the Great Commission elsewhere. The tithe is 10% and that, that is what every member of this church or any local church should give. But tithe is when you support, I'm sorry, but this missions is when you support something outside of your church, beyond the walls of your own church. That's the idea behind missions giving and we'll look more closely as we go. But I remember a few years back uh, reading a, about a, a man in Canada who, who bought a lottery ticket and that was and it was a winning lottery ticket. And in reading it, it was a news story because of the circumstances. But he bought this lottery ticket, um, and it was a winner, millions of dollars. But he was denied the money that 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 ticket um, earned him. I shouldn't say earned when you're talking about lottery tickets. Um, that that money that was that was due him, you would have thought um, he was denied it because it was printed seven seconds. After the deadline. So he had probably begun the transaction before the deadline. But because the ticket was printed after the deadline, he missed out on millions of dollars. It was a missed opportunity. Now, I don't, I'm not into gambling or buying lottery tickets, but that's an opportunity that you think, if you're that guy, you're thinking, wow, if only I had been 10 seconds earlier. I, have you ever heard of Ronald Wayne? Anybody ever heard of Ronald Wayne? Okay, I didn't think you had. And that's because in 1976, Ronald Wayne was the third founder of Apple. And he sold his 10% stake in the company two weeks after they started it. He sold it for $800 and got out. And if he had kept his investment, that his, his stake in Apple would be worth $55 billion today. You talk about a missed opportunity. And if only we could go back, I think about this sometimes, and I, I don't love what these companies stand for, but, um, but I, if you could go back to the early days of Apple and, or the early days of Amazon and the early days of Facebook, if you, could, if you could go back in time and you could invest money into those companies, can you imagine where you'd be financially today? And in some ways, they're missed opportunities. You can't know the future. But here's the interesting part. None of those missed opportunities can touch the opportunity that we miss when we fail to invest in eternity. I mean, Apple and Amazon and Facebook and Microsoft, they produce returns that someday will burn up. But if you invest in eternity, then you, if you invest in God's work, it allows you to enjoy returns that will still be in existence in one million years. 
It's the kind of opportunity that Paul is trying to get the church at Corinth to be willing to get behind. And he, he uses this example of the law of sowing and reaping in verse 6. He, he starts with this analogy in that he says giving and receiving is like sowing and reaping. It's an agricultural picture of what happens when, with our finances. And it's a picture that really does illustrate what happens when we give to an eternal cause. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. And you've probably heard these before. But I want to go through these and just remind you of some truths that they convey. Uh, number one, we reap what we sow. You reap what you sow. If you sow corn, you will reap apples. No, you'll reap corn. I'm glad you didn't say apples. You know, the Bible says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Which means that if we will, if we, if we can on earth, we can sow or plant seeds that will produce returns in heaven. And you reap what you sow. Unfortunately, most of our time and our talent and our treasures is, are used for earthly temporal things. And if we must, if we want to have anything that lasts into eternity, then we must use our time and our talent and our treasures for eternal things. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And here's the idea of this first thought, is if you want to reap eternal rewards, you must invest in eternal causes. If you want treasure in heaven, then you have to invest in, in heavenly causes. The second, so you reap what you sow. The second truth about sowing and reaping is you reap more than you sow. So if you plant one kernel of corn, you don't expect to only get one kernel of corn in return. Uh, that wouldn't be really probably worth our time. That grain dies, and in the process of dying, it produces a stalk. And that stalk... Um, from what I understand, might produce two ears of corn on that one stalk. And it doesn't sound like a lot until you figure out that the average ear of corn can produce about 800 kernels of corn. So on one stalk, you can go from one kernel, one grade, to 1,500, 1,600 kernels or grains of corn. So when we support missionaries, I think we may get a letter saying uh, that uh, this person, uh, this, this missionary led somebody to the Lord and they were saved. And we say, yes, we're rejoicing because somebody got saved. That's, that's true. We do rejoice. But we don't say, okay, come home from the field because your work is done. You, you reproduced yourself one time. No, we say, keep up the work because the more seeds that you plant, the more you get to, re you get to enjoy the rewards. You get to re enjoy the returns. I mean, what if that person that gets saved gets on fire for the Lord and grows, and they go out and reach somebody? And then the person they reach goes out and reaches somebody. And now you're not just talking about addition, you're talking about multiplication. I mean, if that person, that a missionary on a foreign field uh, reaches, if that person becomes a pastor or becomes an, a missionary, then you're thinking about all the returns that can come from their, from their lives because you, giving doesn't just result in one more. According to the principle of sowing and reaping, giving can produce multiplied more. I mean, you reap what you sow if you want eternal rewards. You have to reap in eternal causes. But number two, you reap more than you sow. And that is abundant returns can be produced from one small investment. One small investment can produce, uh, produce abundant returns. And that's encouraging. Because some of us, really, we don't have big investments to make. 
It's not like, I mean, it's not, if, you, if you're like me, you see your limitations more than you see your strengths. And you think, well, I don't have a lot to give. But the fact that God can allow me with a small investment to enjoy multiplied returns, that's encouraging to me. But on the other hand, the third truth helps me think we shouldn't stop there. Because the third truth is this, is that we reap in proportion to what we sow. See, if I go out and I plant maybe three rows of corn in my backyard and a farmer plants a hundred acres of corn on his property which one of us will reap more it's not a trick question me or the farmer the farmer you know it kind of reminds me of this song i wish i wish i had given him more see god can take one seed and he can multiply it abundantly and if he can do that with one though why wouldn't i want to plant as many as i possibly could I mean, if he can take my one seed, I think that's what we do. We think, well, God can take, here's my one talent. Here's my one seed. I'm going to plant it and let him reproduce and let him multiply as much as he can. And then we're satisfied. Uh, but the fact that we, that we reap more than we sow means we shouldn't be content to just give our one talent. We shouldn't be content to just give our one kernel. You don't just give to missions one time and then think that's good enough. No, if, if, if we can enjoy uh, production and results based on how much we sow, I want to keep sowing. I want to give as much as I can. When, when I stand at the judgment seat and we, you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, we will all wish we had given him more. Don Sisk is a longtime president. Many of you are familiar with him and director of the BIMI. And I heard him tell a story one time. He, he went to a small church to preach and he sat on the front pew of that church. The church was without a pastor. Somebody was moderating. And at the end of the, the sermon, at the end of the service, um, they took up a, a love offering. And so because it's his habit always to give, uh, he tries to in every service, then he put a dollar in the offering plate. So at the end of the service, they came up and gave his wife an, an envelope with the love offering. And when they opened it, guess what was, guess how much it was? It was a dollar. And his wife, they kind of laughed about it. His wife said, well, you know, if you had given more, you would have gotten more. <laughs> and it's true. You know, if we, if we, if the more we give, the more we get in return. And it's a funny story, but it illustrates the principle. The more we invest, the greater the return. So I'm just asking, why would we only plant one seed? Right. I mean, plant as many as you can. Exactly. Uh, try to spread the seed. Try to get it out there. Try to invite as many people as you can. And uh, I mean, There's not a lot of return. and, and you, There's not a guaranteed return. I know God can multiply it. But if he can multiply it, don't be content with just one. Plant as many as possible because one day we will stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ and wish we had planted more. We'll reap in proportion to what we sow. And if you want to make a bigger difference, plant more seeds. But number four, the fourth truth about sowing and reaping is we reap after we sow. We reap later than we sow. Some, sometimes people will say something like, if I had a lot of money, I would give more to church and more to missions. And that's great. If you had more money, um, you know, if you have a lot of money and you want to give, there's, there, we will not turn that down. Or they'll say something like, well, you know, if I, if I uh, got a big inheritance or if I won the Reader's Digest 
sweepstakes or if I got a will of fortune and I got that million dollar one. If I had a lot of money, I'm telling you, I would give a lot to missions. Yeah, I doubt it too. <laughs> but you know, I think that's backwards because that's like saying, I'll reap if I start sowing. And, and uh, you know, that's not the principle of sowing and reaping. You, you don't start... You don't start planting once you start getting. You, you, don't, you don't start to get involved once you get to enjoy the fruit. No, the Bible says that you reap after you sow. And, and so if our mentality is, well, if I had a lot, I would give a lot, it's opposite than what it needs to be because our mentality should be, it doesn't matter what I have, I'll give and I'll reap later than I sow. I'll leave the results and the rewards up to God. You reap after you sow, not before. If you want to reap returns tomorrow, sow seeds today. And Jesus says, give, and it shall be given unto you. He doesn't say it shall be given unto you, then you better be sure you give. And so these are just principles about sowing and reaping, that here are the truths. Again, you reap what you sow, and that if you want to reap eternal rewards, you must invest in eternal causes. You reap more than you sow, and that abundant returns can be produced from small investments, and that's good. But don't stop there, because you'll reap in proportion to what you sow. If you want to make a bigger difference, plant more seeds. And if you reap, then also you reap after you sow, not before. If you want to reap returns tomorrow, sow seeds today. And if verse 6 gives us these truths about giving it gives us these truths about sowing and reaping then then verse 7 kind of shows us what it looks like knowing that those things are true then when it comes to giving and it comes to sowing and reaping look what verse 7 it says it says every man according as he purposeth in his heart so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for God loveth a cheerful giver if the principles about giving that we just talked about, if those things are true, then we ought to give willingly and cheerfully. If those things about giving are true, then when we give, we should be happy to give. We should be willing. It shouldn't be out of duty. It shouldn't be because of necessity. If investing in eternal causes brings about eternal rewards, I should be willingly and happily giving. If I get to reap more than I sow, I don't deserve that. But if that's true, then I should gladly invest, even the small amount that I have. If I get to reap in proportion to what I sow, then I should gladly and willingly invest as much as I can so that I can experience greater returns. And if I get to reap after I sow, then I will gladly and willingly plant seeds starting today. Because the laws of sowing and reaping are universal. They don't just apply to some and not to others. And if these things are true, then, then Paul says, then we ought to give willingly. We ought to give cheerfully. And when Paul says, if a man purposeth in his heart, that means that giving is initiated internally, not externally. That, that I don't, I'm not forced to give. Nobody has to twist my arm to give. Because if I believe that the laws of sowing and reaping, and I believe that those are true, then internally in my heart, then I will purpose in my heart to give because I know that God's truth will make a difference. I'll get to experience the blessings that come from the laws of sowing and reaping. I won't have to wait till somebody stands up and says, you better give. No, I'll be willingly and gladly giving. And it says, every man according as he has purposed. 
I mean, you know, this isn't just for, for fam- certain families. This is not just for those that have large bank accounts. It says if every man, every man, every person, every family member, every, if you bring in an income, I'm just telling you, I, I'm talking about missed opportunities tonight. And sometimes people look at giving like it's all about shaking the very last penny out of each of us. But no, every person that receives something from the Lord should be willingly and happily giving because we've received a lot from the Lord. I should willingly and gladly, not out of duty, not out of necessity, I should willingly in my own heart purpose in my heart to get involved because I know the laws of sowing and reaping are true. I can read what the Bible says about the benefits of giving and say, no one should have to tell me to do this. I want to give. No one should have to shake me to get the last pennies out of my pockets because I have benefited and I do benefit from giving. And after all, in chapter 8, verse 9, Paul had written, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That's an example of someone else giving so that I could have a benefit. And it's not like I haven't benefited from from the giving of other people. I mean, it started with Jesus Christ, and if he had been unwilling to sow, I would have never reaped benefits. So purpose in your heart tonight and say, I'm going to give how the Lord would have me because I have benefited from the giving of other people. And I've benefited from the giving of Jesus Christ. And so when I think about those things and I think about the laws of sowing and reaping, this is not a drudgery. This is not me doing it grudgingly. It's me saying I am willing to give and I'll even be cheerful about it. I'll even have a little bit of hilaros in my heart. And then look at the result when you do give. In verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. You know what giving it does? It enables God's grace, which means that we have God's favor And I'm telling you, we can't do anything without God's favor. God's grace is absolutely necessary for you to live the life successfully, spiritually that you're supposed to. And if giving enables or it increases God's grace in my life, I'll gladly give. If giving enacts God's provision so that according to what Paul says, so that I have sufficiency in all things, I'll gladly give. If giving will allow me to abound in the work I do for good from my heart, I will gladly and willingly give. Listen, the benefits of giving are greater than we can imagine. That's why faith promise missions is essential for us as Christians. We we should be involved in faith promise missions giving if we're to reap the benefits of giving and enable God's grace in our lives. So what does it look like as a process? Well, that's, that's what we're talking about is faith promise missions. And it differs from other forms of giving in that it doesn't represent every kind of giving. This is about meeting the needs of other people doing great commission work in other places. And this isn't about a building, although I personally believe that giving weekly to a building is a biblical thing to do. But this isn't about a building. And it's not about tithe. That's not what Paul's talking about. Um, it, it, this is about us because of the laws of sowing and reaping and because of what we've received 
And because we know that God blesses us as we give just out of our hearts, this is about us seeing the needs of other people and saying, I want to give to help them. And you don't get a lot in return on earth. We're not, we're not laying up treasures on earth. We're laying up treasures in heaven. And I, I've got a, a few slides that I just want to show you just so that we can see visually what these things look like. You've got faith promise versus tithe. Just to, so that we understand, just because not everybody has been through the, the, the process or understands it. Um, you've got faith promise versus tithe. You've got the type of giving there on the left. You've got tithe and faith promise. Um, and, and under that next category there, command, principle, attitude, what is tithe? Well, tithe represents the first fruits. So we can show that one, the, the first fruits, and that is for God. Now, old, in the Old Testament, tithe means tenth. In, in Malachi chapter 3, the Bible says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, mine house, and prove me now where, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I love, do love that verse, but the tithe is giving from the first fruits. The idea is that as God blesses us in our resources, we give him 10% back. And that's just a command. I mean, uh, the command, the principle the, is, is just that he commands it and we give. In the New Testament, we're taught to seek first the kingdom of God. And he takes care of our daily needs. If you read Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said, These things ought ye, have to, uh, ought ye to have done. He's talking about tithing and not to leave the other undone. So he didn't, he didn't condemn the Pharisees for their tithing. He condemned them for leaving the other things undone. But he says, these things you should be doing. And our tithes are for God. That's an expectation all of us have. It's a responsibility that you fulfill to God. It's obedience to God. That's, the, that's it. Tithe is just obedience to God. But then we have the next one here. And faith promise is about the Great Commission. It's about others. You know, tithe goes to meet the needs of our church, um, it, but missions, uh, faith promise missions, it represents the needs of the Great Commission. It's connected to our responsibility in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 to evangelize the world. It's not optional. You, you, we've got to do it. It's a matter of obedience. But you tell me, if we are to fulfill the Great Commission, um, how will we, are we going to be able to do that as one person? How am I going to do my part to fulfill the great commission to go ye into all the world when it's just me? It's not possible. But it is possible if there are other people going and I can support them in their going. I can have a hand in the great commission in other places all around the world. And so the there's a difference in in tithe and great in the in faith promises that tithe is is for God it's between you and God you do it for God because he's blessed you it's the first fruits and by the way when I say first fruits I mean that we should give first thing when when God blesses us when when we receive something that we give of the first fruits but the the faith promise missions is about the great commission it's about reaching others it's more a principle than a command we're following a pattern more than a precept so what's it used for? What's the purpose? Well, when it comes to tithe, it, it's, it's for your church. 
The tithe is for um, us taking care of the needs of Eastside Baptist Church. It covers things like salaries and maintenance and repair and outreach and insurance and activities and event and other events and, and when people steal all the catalytic converters off of our vehicles every few months. You know, those are the things it goes to. The, these are the things that it's the things that happens right that happen right here. Faith promise, though, is used for missions. It's used for others, and, and faith promise is used for other ministries outside these walls. And our missions giving impacts missionaries, and it impacts church planters. It in, impacts Bible college training, and, and you know, Bible college, just so you understand, our, our Bible college investment, pro- primarily uh, we give to Heartland because that's what I'm familiar with, and there are great Bible colleges from coast to coast in this country. And we, we just wrote, Pastor Spencer got behind Heartland um, 20 plus years ago. And this church has gotten behind Heartland and most of our students go. That's not saying there are other Bible colleges that, that we aren't worthy of getting behind. That's just the one that we get behind. Uh, but, we, you know, Heartland, our investment in Heartland comes out of our missions budget. And you say, well, you know, they're not church planters, but someday they might be. And they're might not missionaries, but they're training for being in missions. You know, they, we are investing in training the next generation that will go out and be involved in the Great Commission. And that's why our Bible college investment is part of our missions giving. And honestly, it's our, it's our biggest missions giving is that we're, we're sending it to train those that will be in the ministry and doing those things in, in, in other places someday. And it, it's also we, we support individuals that maybe aren't necessarily just planting churches or or maybe they're helping church planners or they're helping missionaries. You know, there's, there, it can be a, a little bit loose in our support. But, but for the most part, we're, we're involved investing in those that are involved in the Great Commission. It's for missions. It's for other people. It's the difference between us and others. And you know what? I think that's healthy for us. That's, I think it's healthy that we don't just always invest in ourselves. And that we look outside these walls and we invest in people in places we may not ever even see. Because we want to be part of the Great Commission, which is about reaching the whole world. And missions allows us through money to give where we can't necessarily go. We need to be helped with our focus on other people. Otherwise, we become incredibly inward focused. And this helps us to consider the needs of others. Just like Paul said, there's a church in Jerusalem that really needs your help. And the church at Corinth could have said, well, we have our own things going on. Well, Paul didn't say, yeah, Paul didn't say you don't have your own needs. He said, yeah, you've got your own needs. But this church has needs too. And if you would consider giving out of your love and out of abundance of your own heart, of the grace that God has given you, then let's, let's give to be a blessing to other people. As you mature, isn't it interesting that giving gifts becomes more enjoyable than receiving gifts? And I used to, when I was a kid on my birthday, man, it, it was all about me. I loved my birthday. Well, now on my birthday, well, I just don't want to open anything. I'd, I'd honestly, I'd rather, I'd rather just give to somebody else. Christmas it used to be about the presents when I was a kid. Now that I'm, I'm, I'm grown up, it's still sometimes about the presents. But for the most part, I love to give and I love to watch my kids open their presents. 
There's a joy in that. There's a joy in giving. And it's a sign of maturity when, as a church, you're not just concerned about giving to support your own needs, but you can be excited about giving to the needs of somebody that you may never even meet. So what about the amount? Well, the amount's determined by, when it comes to tithe, your amount is determined by your income. And that's basically just 10%. It's designated to God. Missions, on the other hand, is determined not by income, but it's determined by faith. And the amount of our tithe, it's set. I mean, based on what we earn, that's what we give. But the amount of our missions is set based on what every man, according to 2 Corinthians 9, 7, purposeth in his heart. And so next week, when, when you get the Faith Promise missions card, and you can, you can turn that off, Brother Mike, thank you, or Brother Andrew, thank you for that. I think it's Brother Andrew. Actually, I don't know who that is. He's just a random guy with no beard up in the uh, sound booth today. So apparently, you don't even have to be a member to work up there. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Shaved his beard for the first time since he was eight. No, nobody recognizes him. You know, next week we'll give out our Faith Promise Missions cards and we'll hand out cards out and you will determine based on how the Lord leads you to give the amount that you've prayed about by faith. It's called Faith Promise because it's not about a budget. It really is about what the Lord leads you to give. Faith. And this is an amount you determine to give by faith. And by faith, that can mean one of two things. By faith, to some people, it means, by faith means that you give in such a way that you're not really sure how all the ends are going to meet. And that you give sacrificially. And my wife and I have done that before where we, we feel like the Lord lays something on each of our hearts. And we come together and we say, here's the number and I don't really want to tell her because I'm like this is a big number and she gives me a number and we come together and 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 we see oh wow okay we're supposed to give this amount this is what the Lord has led us to give I'm not sure how it works and I'm telling you every single time that God has ever led us to do that he's taking care of every one of our needs I can't explain it it's a miracle it I can't I don't know how it works now for some people that's what it means to give by faith for other people, just giving anything is giving by faith. And wherever you at, you are at, wherever you at, wherever you are at in your Christian journey, by faith may look different for you than it does for me. And it's not about you keeping up with the Joneses. It's about you seeking the Lord and asking him, what would you allow me to give? Because it's not, again, it's not about... Um, it's not about, well, I have to give to missions. No, it's like, have you received a benefit from God? Has has your soul, your life been changed because of Jesus Christ? Um, Do you believe the laws of sowing and reaping? And and does God provide grace when we give? Then it's not about, oh, I have to give and say, I want to give, Lord. I want to be involved in this. I I don't want to miss an opportunity to invest in eternal causes. I want to be a part of this. But you're going to have to give me a number. You're going to have to lead me. And there may be a bad year for you to make an increase. And listen, if the Lord isn't leading you to increase, don't let somebody tell you that you don't have any faith. You just seek the Lord about it and let him lead you in the number that he wants you to give. And and if you can increase your number, do it. 
And you say, well, you're just being irresponsible. No, I'm not being irresponsible. I'm considering the fact that the more you give, the more you get to enjoy. And the more that there is a return. And I don't want you to miss an opportunity. If God's leading you to give him out that you think is stretching you some and you feel like that's what he wants you to give and, and you've sought him about it, then I'm probably going to say, listen, you reap in, propor- in proportion to what you sow. And the more you give, the more that you're going to enjoy in, in terms of heavenly returns. When you decide the amount, don't just think, what can we afford? No, think about the truths we've talked about. You reap what you sow. If you want to reap eternal rewards, invest in eternal causes. You reap more than you sow. Abundant returns can produce just from small investments. But you reap in proportion to what you sow. So I would encourage you to make a, if you want to make a bigger difference, plant more seed. And you reap later than you sow, not before. If you want to reap returns tomorrow, sow seeds today. Don't wait till you have enough. Start now. It's faith. You claim the promises of God and you act on them. Faith promise the promise is that you're promising to God that you'll give a certain amount in the next year and it is by faith because who knows what your situation looks like in six months I mean nobody knows so it is it is by faith it is a promise it's a year's promise I'd recommend that when you fill out that card that you that you put a weekly amount on the card the cards have you listed weekly, and, and that really is easier. Make it a weekly act of faith. Uh, or every time that you give, make it an act of faith. And maybe you only get paid twice a month or once a month. And that's fine as well. Either way, just think about what that equals and on a weekly basis and promise that amount. It's, it's a promise to God, by the way. I mean, every man purposing in his own heart before the Lord. And, and it's between you and God. And there's not a requirement to include your name. And on the card, I think there is an optional name, uh, a line for your name. You don't have to put your name there. We're not going to be checking on you. And next October, we're not going to be knocking on your door and saying you're only 40% of your commitment. We're not going to do that. That's between you and the Lord. But I hope, though, that you will understand that, that you making that promise will then turn into a commitment, especially on the church's behalf. And that this church has made and will make commitments based on your promises. And we make these commitments to others based on your promise and your commitment. And you may think it doesn't matter if I scale back halfway through the year. But you don't know who else might be doing that as well. And if our church takes on new missionaries and our folks stop giving faithfully, where does that leave our missionaries on the field? And if we have to scale back because we've made commitments and we've made promises, but we don't keep them, um, you know, it's not like the missionary on a field and Brother Spillman and others, they could tell you this. It's not like they can just go raise support real quick. I mean, they'd have to come home and they'd have to, I mean, it's hard. And just understand that if you do make a commitment, we're all committing to it. It's a commitment and that's why I encourage you to pray about it. Don't just throw a number on on that faith promise card, pray about it. And next Sunday night, we'll be collecting all those cards and we'll be counting them up. And based on what we receive, that will determine the support that, we're, that we feel like we should give to maybe more missionaries. We'll have missionaries coming in for the conference that, that we'd like to take on for support. And we, we've had missionaries in the past. In the past few months, we had a number of them. And like J.J. Spillman and his family. And not just because they have family here, but that's a family I could get behind going to Ukraine. 
And, and if, we, if we're willing to give by faith, God may allow us to take on more families that, that, that are going to places that you and I can't go. And those decisions will be based on your commitments, so take it seriously. But in taking it seriously, consider the truths you've heard. That it's not just about, what can I afford? And it's not just about, you know, what do I feel like I can give? And it's not just about, well, you know, uh, this is what I gave last year, but it's been tight, so I'm going to adjust it. No, consider the truths about sowing and reaping. Consider the, the truths um, that we talked about, because when you consider the truths about what God does to bless us, it doesn't make giving a drudgery, it makes it exciting. It doesn't turn it into a cost, it turns it into an opportunity. And I get excited about getting to invest, spiritually. Because God promises to bless our lives now and later as we do. And I don't want to view it grudgingly. I don't want to view it like it's my duty. I, I view it as a privilege that God allows us to get in on. An opportunity. It's better than investing in Apple. And it's better than investing in Amazon or Facebook. We are investing in eternal causes. And someday our, the fruit of our investment will still be around in a million years. And if you think about it that way, it shouldn't make us kind of like, we're out, yeah, we got missions revival coming up. Not really sure, you know, if I can do this this year. No, I should say, no, we should say, listen, cheerfully, hilarious, happy, thankful. Because when I look about all the, at all the things that I've received from other people giving, I mean, I'm telling you, people have given. And I've been the recipient in my life. People have given uh, to, for the cause of the gospel and people have given for the, for the needs of other people and I've been a recipient and you have too many times in your life. But not just that, Jesus Christ was a giver. And he died on a cross. He came, though he, for, he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. He poured himself out so that we could benefit from giving. Jesus Christ gave, we get to enjoy it. The laws of sowing and reaping are true. And then not only that, but we have God's grace and favor when we give. And he lets us to, he, lets, he blesses our endeavors for good works. I'm telling you, you can't, there's not really very many good reasons not to give. Because God blesses us when we do. And we get to invest in seed that will produce eternally abundant fruit. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of missed opportunities in investment. But when it comes to missions, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss the opportunity. Because this is an opportunity when you stand before Christ, you're going to look back and say, oh, I really wish I had given him more. Because someday, and who knows what the seed will look like of our investments. I mean, some of you have been given to missions for a long time. And we don't even have an idea, but maybe someday you'll stand before the Lord and all the money you've given over the course of your life yeah, it, maybe it's helped produce thousands of people. And when you stand there and you look at the fruit from the eternal causes you invested in, you're not going to regret all the times you invested. So I'm just going to encourage you tonight. Let's, let's just be people that, that refuse to miss the good opportunities. It's better than Apple and Amazon and Facebook. This is, this is better than a winning lottery ticket, which don't go buy one telling you this is this is the eternal kind of reward and you, ne you you'll never regret giving to these kind of causes let's stand together i hope that the uh that the graphic 
helped you kind of understand the difference between tithe and faith promise. And I hope, if nothing else, that this message tonight, first, will help you understand how our church goes through the process, but also that it would cause you to get serious about seeking the Lord about what he would have you to give, what he would have you to commit, and what he would have you to promise by faith so that our church can commit to investing in even more eternal causes. I don't know how the Lord may use this message, these truths tonight, but would you be willing to give? Not just be willing out of duty, but excited. Because if you've benefited from the giving of anyone else, including Christ, then the least we can do is turn around and give to eternal causes because we've benefited from them ourselves. Father, I thank you for the truths and I thank you for uh, just the example that we have from Paul and the letter to Corinthians and, and the offerings they took for the church at Jerusalem. Sometimes I think, um, yeah, I forget that maybe the process, you know, it seems kind of, you know, kind of pulled out of the air, but it's not. It's a pattern that you set and we're trying to follow that pattern as closely as possible and that we're giving to meet the needs of other people in other places. Help us not to just grow weary of giving. Help us to be excited about giving, that we have an opportunity to invest in things that last forever. Lord, if we've gotten to the place, maybe some of us, we've been giving for a long time. And we've maybe gotten to the place where giving is a drudgery, or maybe not even a drudgery, maybe it's just something we do without really thinking about it anymore. And when's the last time we gave really truly considering all that we've received? When's the last time that we gave cheerfully? When's the last time we gave excited for the opportunity to invest in God's work? Lord, I pray that if maybe our giving has turned into complacency, that you would just inspire us anew tonight through these truths to take on a new view of giving. And that it's something, not that we have to do, it's something we get to do. Lord, have your will and way in our hearts. Move in us, Lord, as you help us to just in these truths Apply them to each of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.